I just like Larry. Um, his Oftentimes when we have special speakers in, we put a basket at each end. Uh, you just are free during the time of ministry while the word's being ministered or during any time to just come forward and sow a gift into the kingdom that will uh, help minister and bless this group. Or at the end of the service, they'll still be sitting here. I like Larry even more. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, um, there's something about Larry's personality, just his kindness, his grace, reminds me of my father. And uh, I just, I right away, I'm like, I like this guy. And the more I've gotten to know him, it's just like, uh, feels, feels a bit like family. So y'all feel like family. I'm actually from Nebraska. I grew up, I was born in Kansas, but I grew up in Nebraska. And um, I, it's, I've, I've lived in California almost seven years now. And uh, it's just good, good to be back to normal people. Thank you. <laughs> if there's anybody from California watching, sorry. <laughs> Um, so, uh, originally scheduled this weekend, um, Steve Backlund was supposed to be here. Steve Backlund is one of the pastors on staff uh, at, at Bethel, but he also has his own ministry called Igniting Hope, powerful ministry. Um, he was actually my mentor uh, for a year and really shaped, him and his wife Wendy, really shaped a lot of just uh, how I do ministry now. And uh, really brought a lot of clarity and freedom to my own life through their ministry. And they were—he uh, was going to be here sharing, but wasn't able to at the last minute. So um, they called a, a better guy to come, <laughs> but he couldn't come, and so now I'm the third string. All right. <laughs> Last night, I can't remember, I think it was Richard or Larry, I can't remember who said that I was the third string, and it's like, that's kind of like how, when I played football, you know, like, when I, was a, when I was in high school, I had to wait for two people to get hurt before I could even step on the field, you know, and so, but um, it's, it's fun with what the Lord does, is that um, what seems like maybe a shift in direction is actually a plan, and uh, that the Lord has been so gracious this weekend with their message, uh, Igniting Hope message. One there is, uh, I, I'd really, really encourage you, if you haven't ever been exposed to their message, there is a tangible anointing for hope that they carry. Stephen, Wendy, even just being around them, you can feel a shift in your heart to begin to believe for hope. It's really remarkable. It's something so tangible that's more than a message. It's actually anointing they carry. But they do have a lot of great resources. They have online resources. for it. It's at ignitinghope.com if you're interested in that. There's also a book table in the back that um, would have gone along with a lot of the messages that they carry. But you can get a great um, just sense of what... Uh, they carry, and you can also just be inspired and encouraged in hope. I would say this message, their message right now, especially over the last two years or two and a half years of what we've been facing, this is a primary message that we need to have, that there is always hope. There is always hope. 
Um, one of the things that I know that I've heard Steve say is the person who has the highest hope has the greatest influence. If we're going to influence the culture, we have to be people of hope. So it's a great message, and uh, I just encourage you to even explore that. Part of his team is actually here. They were scheduled to come with him, and they got me instead. But um, I'm going to have them come up, and um, they, they had some prophetic words that they wanted to share for the, the church as a whole. And um, I think I just wanted to encourage, I, I encourage them even just for, um, especially for Steve and Sally, and I don't know if Phil and is it Hannah? Hannah, I don't know if they're here, but you can you can tell them later if we if we if they they aren't able to hear or able to uh, re- receive it right now they can catch it later. So, why don't you guys just share some of the prophetic words you have for day spring? Um, I just first of all, there somebody spoke the word upgrade. Was it? I can't remember. This morning, I have sensed that all morning is like this is this is an upgrade season for you. And I believe that some of the words that you're going to hear isn't just words of encouragement. It's prophetic words have in them the seed to activate realities that aren't current. When when God called Gideon a mighty warrior, something was unlocked that wasn't his current reality. And uh, I believe just as if you, if you just open your hearts that there's going to be upgrades for you being activated when these guys share. So go for it. Okay. So we took the name Dayspring and we split it up into letters. So the words we're going to share are going to be coming out of the word Dayspring. Um, so I will share first. You are dynamic people of divine destiny. I was reminded of Jeremiah 29, 11. And so God's plans for this church are beyond these four walls. It's beyond this church. You ignite purpose and destiny in those that you encounter. The nations will come to your doors and receive vision for the future. Everyone you come in contact with leaves inspired and fired up for their call. And I actually saw um, certain government officials coming to this place and encountering God and getting their call for government and actually stepping into those offices. So bless you with that. Advancement. I feel there's a promotion coming that is going to catapult you into a new season of advancement. Yielded. Uh, Yielded to the move of the Spirit, following no one else but God Almighty. You move in the miraculous and make the supernatural a natural occurrence. You follow his leading so well, reflecting his glory every place that you go. Amen. So you are incubators of world changers and influential innovators. So I was reminded of Ephesians 1.3 that says you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So wisdom and revelation, the, the gifts of wisdom and revelation are being released in this room right now. And for those watching also right now, as you, as you listen, you're receiving wisdom and revelation. Um, I saw that there are businesses being birthed in this place that are going to actually... Um, fund a lot of missions and stuff and kingdom ventures and I felt like there's revelation and creative gifting that's being released for businesses that are stuck so if that's you right now receive that there's revelation coming to you to get your business unstuck so that's it Uh, prosperity or prosperous God has given you everything you need to move forward with any plans and any strategies with prosperity comes advancement you've been set up he set you up with what you need for advancing and that coming Righteous risk takers, 
You are ones that get out of the boat, and God loves to show up for you. The miraculous is yours because you step into the unknown, and your dependence upon him brings a great move of his spirit. Shanda. <laughs> you are a spring of life. So like the tree mentioned in Psalm 1, you are never dying, never drying. You yield fruit in season, and whatever you do prospers because you're planted by the streams of water. You're connected to the Holy Spirit, and he is free to move among you, which we've witnessed this weekend. You are a safe refuge. Many that are tired and weary encounter the presence of God and find rest for their souls here. I also see you doing ministry with homeless and downtrodden people. So a ministry that's going to fund or feed the homeless or um, like a shelter. Oh, yeah, like a shelter. Network. <laughs> I see you connecting as or operating with a network, nationally and internationally, is coming with the advancement and with the promotion. And grateful and generous. Uh, because the Lord has been so good to you, you are merciful and gracious to those around you. Your hearts of gratitude attract the joy of the Lord, and your generous spirits ensure that you will always have more than enough as God shows himself to be generous towards you and through you, all of Springfield. Awesome. I love that. Great words. Great words. Um, I wanted to share, um, uh, I'll, you guys can add to this, but I, I had a word for uh, Phil and Hannah. Um, the picture that I saw was like a room in uh, your house that was being renovated. And um, there is, there's like, it's a changing of the purpose of the room. Like it was used for something, but then it's being renovated and changed to be used in another, for another purpose. And um, I, I hear the Lord saying that, um, be patient in the transition that um, it's like still part of the house, but it's just something, a part of your life, something, a part of your ministry that the function is changing, but it's an upgrade. And that even though it might feel messy in the process, you know, when you do renovation, it gets a little messy and dusty around the house, but that it's actually part of an upgrade for your lives and for your ministry um, that this, uh, I believe it's starting right now that there is a transition of one specific area, an area that maybe you have even not fully embraced or fully stepped into, but the Lord's saying, I'm doing an upgrade and we're refunctioning that area. Now it's going to be something actually that'll be even more powerful than it was before. So, Yeah. You have anything to add for Phil and Hannah? Yes. So it's funny. I saw Phil building a house. Um, so I saw Phil, I don't know where you are, but I saw you building. And you just laid the foundations of this house. And suddenly it sprung up. And I heard that uh, Isaiah 43, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? And I felt a, a sense of shifting that's happening right now. And I also heard that you've been in a refining season and that there's been a bit of a pressing in this refining, but the pressing is bringing out richness that's coming out. So 
the winter is passing or the winter has passed and spring is upon you. There is a shift that's happening, but there is a pressing in the shift that that pressing is actually for fruit. So I just bless you with that. I also have uh, for Phil, I just see, I see, you, see you as a Joshua uh, taking territory for the Lord, taking territory that has been promised um, for God and for his people. And I just see you facing these giants and slaying them and then also teaching your congregation uh, how to slay giants. Awesome. Anything else? Okay. Um, we, I just wanted to honor Steve and Sally. I know that you guys are um, very significant as uh, soon as I met you, um, I felt I felt the stature of the Lord on you, and um, I just bless you. I bless you as the father and the mother of this house, and uh, your legacy that sits all around you right now. And we just bless that and honor that. The picture that I had was that you two together were holding seven, uh, six staffs. Um, and that they represented seasons of your life, but that the seasons had a specific authority connected to each of those seasons. But then I saw the Lord bringing the seventh staff, and he says, now is the season where the set is complete, that all of the areas that God has been developing you in places of authority, he's saying, now you have the full set, and um, completion, completion doesn't mean um, ending. Now it just means like, okay, you, now, you're, now your authority is full and expressed in variety of ways, but that uh, you have faithfully walked through each of these seasons of your life. And each season you've gained another staff, another authority and now you have the complete set. And he goes, go and release authority in all of the places that you have attained. So we just bless you as people of authority. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? Yeah. Yes, and also for you, I keep hearing this song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I just see his shield of protection and his shield of love around you. I see you are royalty in the kingdom, and he has given you a mighty house that others are going to see and wonder, how is it possible that God is so good to them? Amen. And I just see his goodness radiating through this town uh, because of how good he is to you. I just keep hearing richness, like a deep, sweet richness that you guys carry. And I also keep hearing foundation. And I think it has to go along with the church. Um, that you guys have just created this very strong foundation, and it's, it's moving forward, and I'm very excited to see what goes on. So I saw a network of roots underground, and they were connecting several different types of trees, and some of them looked like trees from the Amazon, some of them looked like trees from, different, from Africa, whatever. And I really got the sense that the legacy that you've built here and the legacy that you've been building, you won't get to see all of it, but it touches so many places that you don't get to see. You actually touch the nations right now and you don't realize how far your reach goes. Um, so there's such a grace on you for nations and a grace for you to see this fruit, this multiplication, there's just, you have grandchildren in countries that you know nothing of because of what you've sown in the ground here. So I just honor and bless you, so. Okay, awesome. Thanks you guys for sharing. Wow. <laughs> that was great, wow.
Mm. I love the prophetic. I love that um, we get the opportunity to see heaven's perspective on things. It's where we need to, to live all the time, where even when you look at one another, I, I grew up with a lot of um, a lot of focus on what was wrong with people. It was really just, we really felt like it was our gift to them to point out their mistakes and their sin areas and really, really felt like if we could convince them of how bad they are, maybe they would stop doing what they're doing and start being good. And um, it was kind of anti-prophetic is what we did, you know. Um, But I've changed a lot in my perspective and that um, whatever you focus on will increase. When you start to focus in prophetically what you see in people, actually that begins to manifest. That's why God calling Gideon a mighty warrior, he was looking past his current state saying, but there is inside of there, there is a mighty warrior that we're calling forward. And think, think of what we would be like if we as Christians would not look at one another after the flesh, after what we see in the natural, but we say, oh, but there's greatness in that one. What if you looked at your children around you and said, this one's a great one. And we started relating and treating them as if they were before they actually expressed it. I, I do it all the time with my students. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background of who I am if you haven't been here <clears throat> or if you're watching online. I, I grew up in Nebraska. My uh, dad was a pastor, and I, I went into the ministry and uh, served in a couple of different churches in Omaha, Nebraska, in the areas. And um, I was pastoring uh, in a pretty good-sized church in Omaha, one of the bigger churches in Nebraska, and a part of the executive team had a great position, got to travel around the world, and... Um, at age 50, the Lord spoke to me to walk away from it all. Not from him, but walk away from it and go out to Bethel in Redding, California and do school. We have BSSM, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And um, it was, it was a, uh, a unique season for us to... Uh, everything that you had invested into and poured your life into, and even honestly, there were things that I got my identity from that the Lord said, walk away and now go and trust me. My wife and I left. I, I, I had never lived in California. I knew Nebraska. So it was like going to another country, another culture, another mindset, and we walked away from the security of our current place to explore what God had for us um, in a completely different location. Um, My wife and I, for three years, we lived by faith. We didn't have a, uh, you know, consistent jobs. We just, the Lord would provide for us. He would open up opportunities. There were things that um, God would miraculously do. And for three years, we just, we never missed a meal, obviously. We never, um, <laughs> we never, we never missed a car payment. We never missed a rent payment for three years. And we, we had to pay for school 
And God miraculously provided for us. And um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. I had, I had mentioned I'd done my third year with Steve Backlund and it was just such a privilege. But after that, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And um, it, it's like I walked away from security to what? I didn't know. But I trusted the Lord, and I, I built a pattern and a confidence in the Lord in my life, having done this long enough now, that even when I don't see him, he's working. Even when I don't see where it's heading yet, I know there's a plan. And I could feel that underneath the surface in my spirit. I'm like, something's happening here. It's like I... Uh, if you were with us this weekend, I was above the timeline in the natural because my spirit was out ahead picking up there is something coming. And I was aware of it in my spirit, even though I wasn't aware of it in my mind. So I uh, then got a call from one of our leaders saying, hey, you've been on our radar and we would love to have you consider being a pastor on staff at Bethel in our school and um, what I didn't, uh, amazing thing about that was that when I was 19 years old, I went to North Central in Minneapolis for my ministry training, Assembly of God School. I was there praying one time when I was 19, and I saw myself standing in front of a school building, a ministry training school, and there was a yellow ribbon that was being cut, and it was like a dedication of a school And when I was 19. So I get hired here at Bethel. Just This has been about four years ago. And I'm, I'm in a group of, of pastors, and we're doing some prophetic ministry, and one of the pastors says, Tracy, I see a yellow ribbon being cut and that you have been being prepared for this all of your life, and that this is your dedication for what you've been being prepared for. That the same thing that I saw when I was 19 years old, it was like, so I, there's this sense of, yep, God, God's been working all along, even when I didn't see it. So I bless, uh, I just bless what God's doing in this place. There are things that he's doing you haven't seen yet, but it's working. It's like, I think uh, Linda was sharing, it's like, there, there's birth happening. We, you guys are all pregnant. Congratulations. It's coming, all right? <laughs> Holy Spirit is the, uh, is the, the one who's going to start making this happen. So I wanted to share something this morning. It won't take too long. But um, there's, there's something that uh, I've just been aware of in this, in the culture, in the atmosphere, in the world, um, that I, I want us to, um, just to, again, be aware of, not to, not to look at it from the negative perspective, but to realize there is an enemy and a battle that we are fighting against and that we have the opportunity to bring hope and freedom and joy against an atmosphere that is actually trying to, trying to control and uh, manipulate our culture and our societies. And I want to talk about breaking free from the partnership with fear, all right? There is a, there's a real spirit and atmosphere of fear. If you watch the news long enough, and sometimes it doesn't take long, you can start to feel like a cloud of fear and anxiety starting to threaten you. 
much of what is controlling and influencing um, the decisions that are being made, the, the communications that are being given, there is a spirit of fear that is behind that. And suddenly we can partner with that. Some of you may be, like for me, I was actually, I, I was raised to fear. My fear was fear of what people would think. My dad was a pastor, and I, I was trained to be afraid of what people would think. Don't, don't do anything that would, you know, um, offend people. So I was conditioned, walk in fear, walk in fear. And it controlled a lot of my life, always afraid of what people would think. And I'll, I'll tell you, the last number of years, just God has been breaking that off of me. And it's like, I get to show up being powerful Tracy without fear of what that looks like or adjusting myself, making sure you're not too much. The Lord gave me the word for this year, for my life is untamed. And he, he said to me, he goes, I'm releasing you back to the wild. <laughs> and he gave me a picture of a, a lion that had been in a cage in a circus. And he's like, I, it's time to release that lion and be untamed. And I, I, I know that there's a lion inside of me. But a lot of, a lot of religion tamed that up inside. Don't be too much. Don't be too wild. Don't get too crazy. It's like, I love being with a bunch of wild lions this weekend. Y'all are, <laughs> you guys are just out here running around being crazy, and I love it. I love it. But the Lord's been speaking to me specifically for my own life. It's like, be untamed. Be untamed. If you want to look over at Acts chapter 11, I want to look at a story really quick in the Bible. Acts chapter 11 I'll give you a little context. Um, Peter, if you remember, he's um, at a house. He's praying. And um, there is, there's a man who is a Roman centurion named Cornelius that he is, it says he's a godly man. He, he was seeking, a seeker of God and he has an angelic visitation that says there is a man in another town over. Send your men to go and bring him to your house. He has good news for you. Well, that was Peter. Peter was praying. And if you remember, Peter has the vision of the, uh, you know, the sheet coming down with things that uh, God says, take and eat. And Peter's like, no, I won't touch anything unclean. It happens three times. And about that time, these men from Cornelius' house show up and say, hey, uh, come with us. And God tells him to go. And Peter's mindset at that time was that, um, that the good news were for the, was for the Jews. And God was wanting to bring him a revelation that it was for the Jews as well as all nations, all people. That it wasn't just for the Jews. And it was giving him revelation of a new perspective on the plan so he goes and um he uh, he needed the the vision three times to you know probably probably because he was dealing with i don't think this is from god 
God kept giving him the same thing to try to convince him. He's like, okay, I'll go. So he goes, and it says as he's speaking, he's telling them, I, I wish I could watch the video of that one. He's just speaking, and probably not very enthusiastically, because these people, he's probably still not convinced, but as he's speaking, all it says, it says the Holy Spirit fell on him <laughs> and messed the whole meeting up. And that's when Peter realizes, it says that he realized that it was not just for the Jews, but it was also for all the nations. All right? So now, Peter comes back to Jerusalem where the center of, of you know, the Christian movement is happening. All the leaders are there. And if you look at Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, he comes back. And it says, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised, there were a group of people that still were holding to the Old Testament. They were trying to mix the law. And they're like, when you become a Christian, you have to still follow the Mosaic law of being circumcised. So there was a conflict there. And there were people that were saying, no, you, you don't need, that's part of the old law. And Jesus came to fulfill the law, so we don't need to do that. So there was a conflict but these, these more um, conservative people that went towards the law, they confront Peter, all right? And I'll listen to this. And it says, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were the circumcised took issue with him, or they criticized him, saying, you went, went to uncircumcised men and ate with them, all right? So there is a, an accusation that comes against Peter, all right? Now... I want you to go over to Galatians chapter 2. I don't know if you've ever experienced um, maybe a conflict or a situation or words that um, in the moment it doesn't seem quite that significant, but you can tell it, it impacted you. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and then later you see them and, and you kind of find yourself pulling back away from them a little bit? kind of shapes how you interact with them. That's what happened with Peter. Peter got confronted for going and ministering to the Gentiles. Well, later on, this is over in Galatians chapter 2, and we'll start reading at verse 11. This is Paul now. Paul's writing about a visit from Peter, who, who's also called Cephas. Peter comes to visit the work that's happening in Galatia, and um, and specifically in Antioch, it says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. I love, Paul just has a little bit of fire in him. He's like, I got up in Peter's face. And if it's, if his history's true, Paul was a shorter man, so he's probably up there pointing up in Peter's face, getting up in his face. And it says, for prior to coming, prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Remember, he had had the revelation. It's, they're part of us now. So he's eating with them. But when they came, when these men came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing who? The party of the circumcision. It was the people that had accused him back in Jerusalem. So Peter is there in Antioch, and he's having great freedom. 
until all of a sudden the people that had brought accusations against him showed up and then immediately out of fear, it says he's fearing, he starts to withdraw and pull back. Fear can influence us and shape us and sometimes we're not even aware of it that we're being influenced by fear. Verse 13, it says, the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas, Barnabas was Paul's partner that had been out there on the front lines taking the gospel to the Gentiles and then all of a sudden, Peter's fear begins to not only influence the Jews but also Paul's partner. That's probably what made him really mad. <laughs> You're even influencing Barnabas says he was carried away by their hypocrisy. I quickly want to give you five effects of fear from this passage of scripture. Five things of how fear can influence us and why we must break partnership with it. We must not allow fear to influence us. Fear is not your friend. I, I have a friend of mine who's named Richard. He's one of the people on staff at Bethel. And he is relentless refuses, he is like violently opposed to ever allowing fear to influence him. I talked to his wife and she says it's frustrating sometimes with Richard because when he makes a decision, if there is any hint of fear in it, he refuses to make a decision until the fear is gone because he will not partner with fear in any way. The first time I met him, there was something about him that there was such a freedom and a childlikeness. He's a man of great authority. He travels, he travels around the world. God uses him in many ways. But there's like this innocence and childlikeness about him. And I saw that in him before I realized what I was seeing. What I was seeing is this is a man who has refused to be shaped by fear. So there's just this childlike freedom that he doesn't care. He's not, he's not producing something to be impressive. He's just being himself. And, and it's like, I want to be like him when I grow up someday. All right? Because there is such an anointing and freedom on him. And I realize at the heart of it, he has broken all partnership with fear. Um, let's look at these things really quick. Verse 12. If you want to look, Galatians 2 verse, verse 12. First it says that he used to eat with Gentiles, but then he withdrew. He used to eat with Gentiles, but then he withdrew. One of the things that fear will do, it will cause you to doubt your revelation. Peter had a revelation that it was now okay to eat with the Gentiles. By the way, when you ate with people in this context, you're saying, I now accept you, that you're part of the, the family. And he had had the revelation, but as soon as fear kicked in, there, there was a doubting and a withdrawing from the truth that he had had back when he, was, uh, when he had had the, the visions coming down. Fear, if fear begins to work in you, if it begins to um, work in your mind, you can actually begin to doubt the very things that the Lord had revealed to you and gave you clarity on. You can have a great, great prophetic word. You can have great revelation. But fear can get in and begin to actually work against the very thing that, the God, that God said, said to you. Remember, our faith is founded on truth. 
You receive a promise. You take that promise by faith and you step into it. When fear gets in there, it will start to cause you to doubt the truth and it will start to cause your faith to withdraw and shrink. So we can't partner with it. Uh, but faith, uh, fear will begin to work against that, uh, the, the very essence of your faith, which is the truth. So number one, it'll cause you to doubt your revelation. Number two, still in verse 12, it says he withdrew from them. He withdrew from the Gentiles. A second influence of fear is that it will cause you to limit your influence. Peter was a leader in the early church. And God had expanded his ability to influence not just the Jews, but God actually gave him a taste of influencing even the broader mystery and call that God had planned of influencing the Gentiles. But because of fear, he actually withdrew his influence. You are called to influence the world around you, whether that's in your neighborhood, whether it's on your job, you showing up means the kingdom of God is showing up. Unless fear is influencing you, and then all of a sudden, your influence will withdraw. I talked um, yesterday, or last night, about the anointing that rests on us. And that there is a, there is an, a circle, a metron of influence around me just when I show up. Whatever's on you will influence people around you. But there is something that can work against that, and that is fear. If I'm afraid of how I'm going to be perceived by you, my authority and influence starts to withdraw, pull, pull back away. We want to be people who are bringing great freedom and anointing in the kingdom, and we must, we must not partner with fear. Otherwise, we see it with Peter, the head, the leader of the church, allowed fear to actually withdraw his influence. And if Peter, I'm not better than Peter. I struggle with the same temptations that he would. And I, I would say we need to, in, especially in this day, we are carriers of hope. And we mustn't partner with fear. So that's number two. It'll limit your influence. Number three, we're going to stay in verse 12 says that he began to hold himself aloof, or um, and that can also be translated that he began to separate himself, all right? Not only, not only is he withdrawing from the truth and his influence, but he, even relationally, he begins to create a separation in relationship. Fear will influence your relationships. It will hinder your vulnerability and openness with one another. Have you ever had this thought? Mm, if they really knew what was going on inside of me. What you're saying is, if they, I'm, I'm afraid that they'll know me for real and they'll reject me or they won't allow me to be a part. And sometimes emotionally, mentally, we'll actually withdraw ourselves from one another out of fear. There's one of my favorite statements. It says, um, loneliness is not being alone. Loneliness is not being known. I can be sitting in a crowd of people and feel very lonely. 
because nobody really knows who I am. Sometimes out of fear, though, we're afraid to let people see who we really are. And what we do is we create these walls of separation because of fear. If you see me, if you really see, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of my training before I went into ministry was training me as a leader never to let people see who you really are. Just show up, put on that big Christian smile, and you're a pastor, and hallelujah. I don't have any problems because I'm in the, in the ministry. Is, is that true? That's it? Okay. So <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't true. So, so it was actually establishing and creating a separation. Don't let people see who you are. In fact, I, this is one of, one of the things that I was taught. If people see your struggle or your weakness, they won't respect you as a pastor. So what I presented was a beautiful fake smile. Bless God, the bills just don't come to my house because I am blessed, all right? <laughs> um, it, was, it was interesting, though. The, as I went into to ministry and started to really work some of this out, I actually found the opposite to be true. That the more real I was, actually the more people respected me and would listen to me. When I was, when I was keeping myself aloof, actually my, my influence, and a lot of it was fear. It was fear-driven. Fear of if you see me, if you see me that sometimes I don't feel like praying, that you wouldn't respect me. But when I was honest about it and saying, yeah, sometimes, man... It was hard to get up and just follow Jesus today. People are like, oh, me, me too. I can relate to you. Now I'm willing to follow you. But we create sometimes out of fear. We create these false worlds. And we look and say, oh, I can't be like that. Well, sometimes what you're looking at isn't really that. It's just a presentation. And that's some of what, some of what Peter was starting to withdraw. And it, it was affecting relationships. Some of you know the loneliness of not anybody really knowing what's going on. You're like, man, I wish somebody would just ask how I'm doing and really mean it. How you doing? Good, good. Me too. Good. All right, good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be blessed. And I and I understand there are levels of vulnerability. There, there are people, you, you, you just don't want to share everything with everybody. But if people don't know who you really are, if you've withdrawn yourself out of fear, then you're going to find yourself being quite lonely. And we're, we're supposed to be connected with one another. All right? I've gone a bit on that one. You okay? Okay. <laughs> well, I got two more. Shall we go? Let's just go ahead and finish this thing up. Verse 13. So we see that Fear has been influencing Peter and he's withdrawing. Verse 13, it says, The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was influenced by it. Fear creates an atmosphere that influences people around you. We're not, we're not just seeing um, an emotion happening. We're actually seeing a spiritual atmosphere that is happening in our world. 
that people who generally aren't fearful all of a sudden are starting to come under. Um, my, my wife and I flew back from Chicago uh, a few weeks ago. And we got onto the plane and there was a woman sitting up against the window who was completely covered in plastic, um, gloves. I mean, she, she, was, she was like cocooned in and, and um, no judgment on her. But when we sat down, we immediately felt the spiritual atmosphere of fear that was around her. And, and my heart was broken. Because I'm like, oh, she's under the torment of fear. And I'm not, I, I know it's important for us to not be foolish. I understand that. We've, we've taken all of the important you know, precautions at times. But, but I refuse to partner with the fear that drives a lot of what's going on in our culture, in our, in our world. And it's a spirit. It's not just a mindset. It's not just a message. It's actually a spirit. That's why Paul told Peter, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. There was an equating of this is a spiritual force. And when I, when I allow myself to be in, in, uh, influenced by that, I'm actually partnering not with an emotion. I'm actually partnering with the demonic spirit behind it. And that spirit actually is looking for influence and it can happen without you even knowing it. That's why we, we need to be on guard and discern. It's like if I go into a place and immediately I start to feel anxious, I need to go, wait a minute, what's going on here? What did, what did I just step into? What was the spiritual atmosphere that I just stepped into? And if you're not paying attention to it, all of a sudden you can start to unintentionally just allow that to influence you, start to feel anxious, start to feel nervous, start to have thoughts and you're going through your mind that it's like, oh man, hope I don't die. Hope I don't get this thing. Hope the world doesn't fall apart. And you can start to partner with things that, that the enemy is actually offering us to think that we must be relentless, but it, we got to catch it. And the Jews and even Barnabas didn't catch it. They got sucked in and pulled into a spiritual atmosphere of fear. And all of a sudden, Barnabas finds himself going, yeah, let's, we probably shouldn't hang out with the Gentiles. Because these, these men from Jerusalem, they're going to be probably offended by that. And I love Paul. Paul just didn't, he didn't play games. He's like, listen, y'all, <laughs> you are a bunch of hypocrites. He gets up in their face. You're hypocrites. You're not following the way of the kingdom. And he just calls them out. And sometimes we need people to just call out and say, hey, you know what? That's fear. You're just partnering with fear. Sometimes we need to be told. Because we're like, oh, oh yeah, I didn't even realize it. And I'm, I'm confident that Peter, Barnabas, those, I'm confident they weren't thinking, hey, let's just partner with fear. But subtly they got pulled into it and then there was somebody who said, hey, be aware of what's going on here. All right. Okay, last one. We know that it creates an atmosphere that influences others. The last one, he uses the word hypocrisy. 
He says, You're, you have participated in hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy, that word is actually the word, it's the same word that in the Greek plays, I got, I got a chance um, to go to Ephesus and um, be, stand in the ruins of Ephesus and they have this big Colosseum where they used to put on these um, uh, big dramas, these Greek dramas there. And I got to sit in that. It was also the, the place where the, um, the big riot happened in Ephesus. So we sat there. It was just amazing. But they, they would put on these Greek plays on this stage and they would wear these masks to uh, be uh, different characters in the plays. That word for that mask is the same Greek word for hypocrisy. And, and what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, you're actually presenting one thing, but you're actually something different underneath. That what you're showing is not real, but what is underneath is what is real. And one of the things that fear will do, fear will tempt us to present and appear a certain way. There's a possibility that some of you came this morning. There might be somebody here this morning that you're hurting. You, you, you maybe have been struggling. But out of fear, you're like, well, I've got to put on my church mask. I got to show that at least everything looks okay, even though maybe it's not okay. Some of the greatest breakthroughs in my life in the last five years is being able to find a place of hope and faith, but doing it in authenticity. I've just been able to take that mask off. And I was trained in wearing masks. I was trained in I was I was a good mask wearer. I had some of the best masks. I was, oh, some of my masks were very good looking. I was very handsome in some of those masks. But there was no freedom. And when you're living a dual life, when when what's being presented is different than is underneath, it's exhausting. Trying to maintain a false front, it's exhausting. It sucks the life out of you. But when we come and bear our faces before the Lord and say, God, you are my hope. And I need you to encounter me today with hope. God, you're my joy. And I need an infusion of joy because right now I'm not feeling joy. God, you're my peace. Even though I'm tempted in the midst of all this swirl, I'm tempted to be afraid. But God, I, I take off the mask and I, I go face to face with you. Remember it says that Moses put on a veil and he covered up. And God, God in Corinthians says, we with unveiled faces. We're, we're just taking the mask off. Saying, God, here it is. Still needs a lot of work under that mask, but here it is. He's like, I can work with that. I can work with that. I want to ask if you wouldn't mind standing. Just in closing. There's a great promise that follows God has not given us a spirit of fear. If there is a spirit that's working to 
try to create fear. The good news is that there is actually a spirit that you're directly connected to that wants to bring what? God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Think of that. That rather than partnering with a spirit of fear, God's saying, I want you to partner with the spirit that can give you love. Be able to love people unconditionally without being afraid. Power that you, you can walk into your place of business or you can walk into your family. To you, you can walk just into the grocery store saying, I partner with power. I, I don't partner with withdrawing and shrinking. I partner with the authority of God. And I partner with the spirit that brings soundness of mind, that my mind doesn't rush to imagine the worst case scenario. I'm imagining the best case scenario. What if I walk into the grocery store and people start falling down under the power of God? I'm concerned about that. I'm, concer I'm concerned that there's going to be more money in my bank account than I've got in my budget. I'm concerned that I'm going to have to find more people to give money to. I'm concerned that when I share the gospel with people that so many people are going to have, get saved, I'm going to have to figure out how to take care of them. What if, what if we imagined the best case scenarios? What if I walk into a room and everybody likes me and wants to be my friend? I'm going to have to work my schedule around. Instead of walking in saying, what if everybody rejects me when I walk into the room? That's the opposite of God giving us a spirit of fear. He didn't. He gave us the opposite. So I bless you right now. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? Actually, before I do that, I felt like I just needed to pause for a second. I want to I want to have you just close your eyes for a second because I want to make this um, just an opportunity for response. As I've been sharing just some of the influence of fear, <laughs> you might be afraid of what I'm going to ask you to do right now. <laughs> don't partner with that. Don't partner with it. Say, no, I don't want to raise my hand. Um, <laughs> um, if you in any way have just, as I've been sharing, you're like, uh, I see that there has been, at least even if it's a small, subtle influence of fear that I've partnered with, would you just raise your hand really quick? I want to pray, yeah, all across the room. And thank you for, for just being courageous in that and admitting that, all right? You can put your hands down. And for those of you who needed to but were too afraid, we just bless you. We're not judging you. <laughs> I'm not judging you. <laughs> Lord, just show me who they were so I can point them out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Father, thank you that right here you have not given a spirit of fear. I want to I ask you right now, break partnership with any fear. Those of you who raised your hand and say, fear, I break that partnership. I break the agreement that I had made with you. I break the agreement that allowed me to be influenced by you. 
And I break the agreement of the spirit that's behind that. I cut off now the agreement and the influence that came with that agreement. Yeah, it's happening right now. I just see that things are being cut off of you and freedom is being released right now. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus is greater than a spirit of fear. That fear is going to try to convince you that you're always going to struggle with it. It's a lie. He's even trying to cause you to fear that you're always going to be afraid. It's a lie. It's just part of the lie. We break that lie now in Jesus' name. And now, let's replace it. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive love. Just receive it. Imagine love that absorbs all fear. Remember, Perfect love casts out fear. (laughs) You're going to feel so loved, it won't matter what people think about you. You're going to feel so loved, it won't matter what your circumstances look like. I just pray right now that there would be a download of love, that you would be bathed in love. Wow. Now say, I receive power. Okay, Holy Spirit, pour in power. Where fear has made us powerless, fear has made us weak, fear has made us withdraw, fear has reshaped us to be something that we weren't, I pray right now that, Holy Spirit, your power would be manifest to restore what was stolen by fear in Jesus' name. The authority that you carry and are to carry as a believer, I pray right now that it would be restored back to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh. I, I, I just saw like, um, you know, like at Christmas, some people put those big blow-up things in their, in their uh, front yards, like Santa Claus and snowmen and things. I saw like some of you had like, you had shrunk down and as the power of God began, it's like you started to come back up. You started to get refilled up. And so I just pray that you would be full Santa Clauses in Jesus' name, just blowing up. That you would be snowmen who are full, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, last one. Put it up on your head. I'm very aware right now of just the grace of the Lord that some of you have been battling the thoughts that come with fear. You've been tormented by thinking. That's why I love that part of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. That you stepping into salvation and being completely right with God meant that your mind gets protection from thoughts that weren't supposed to be there. That you have the mind of Christ. So right now, thank you, Father, that there is soundness of mind that is being restored, that fear had made ways into thinking patterns, and we break that now in Jesus' name. And I declare that the helmet of salvation covers your mind and that you have the mind of Christ. Why don't you say that? Say, I have the mind of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts in, in, in my mind that wouldn't be in Christ's mind, I reject. 
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I bless you. Um, it's been a great weekend. I don't know if I'll see some of you after. I know we're doing tomorrow evening, we're doing the DSSM, but um, if we don't get to see some of you again, you have been most gracious. Thanks for being so kind. And um, do I turn it back over to you? I don't know. I, I assume we'll have some ministry time down front. Do you want to? Okay. Do you have a ministry team? You want me to do it? Okay. You, why don't you do it? <laughs> Here's a fearless man. Well. <laughs> Gosh, I love you, buddy. I know. Man. Wow. Yes, if we could get a couple of our ministry teams, one on each side, and I'll step out here if the A-team would be available. Maybe the A-team would just come up here in the middle and uh, be available for uh, for ministry, as you would want to come to one of them as well. Those of you who have children next door, I'm sure the people that are working with them and kids in the kingdom would appreciate you not leaving them there this afternoon. So if you want to go and, and, and uh, pick them up right now, that would be awesome. I just want to say to you on the, that are joined us online this morning, the power of what's been said here is the same power that is being released where you are today. Holy Spirit's not limited by this building. He, he goes where you are as well. Father, we just bless you this morning. Thank you for this this ministry team, Father, thank you for bringing the right man to us. Thank you, Father. And thank you for bringing the right A-team with him, Lord, to us. Lord, we bless them, we honor them, and we are so thankful to you for what they have brought to us, God. And we say today, Father, in the name of Jesus, we will never be the same. We will never be the same in Jesus' name. Well, blessings to you. Have an awesome day. Hey, guys, I think it's going to be in the high 40s today. Yay! Beats the single digits. <laughs>